Welcome into a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of Mile High Sports. You can find all my work over at milehighsports.com underneath that Nuggets tab, or you can find me on Twitter at TJ McBride MBA, where I post everything that really goes on to that site. Tonight, the Nuggets ended up beating the Memphis Grizzlies 105-99 in a game that was very important to talk about all of it. I am stuck next to Brendan Vose. Return of the Mac. <laughs> we are back at the return of the pick and pod. Is that what we called it? Pick and pop pod? Yeah, what no. do we call it? You never knew. You're right. I always mess this up. I don't have a pop filter, so let me go soft with my peas. Oh, God. Pick and pod. It's the pick and pod. Welcome back to the pick and pod with Brendan Vogt and TJ McBride. No, no, no. Welcome back to the pick and pod with TJ McBride and Brendan Vogt. Yeah, there you go. That sounds a little bit better, doesn't it? it? All, it's, right, all right. It's good to be back, buddy. <laughs> uh, what we're going to do is for this Nuggets win, we're going to do things a little differently for this podcast. Instead of just going through of all of my thought processes from the game, um, Brendan and I each picked three separate things to talk about from this game that we found notable. So what we're going to get into is a whole lot about Monte Morris, Mason Plumley, and Trey Lyles. We're going to talk about Nikola Jokic in this game, how the Nuggets executed on the stretch, as well as how Nikola Jokic stepped up when the Nuggets needed him to do that the most. Um, I want to give you a quick word from our sponsors, but even before I do that, let me give you a quick shout-out for Rod Simba on Instagram. That is R-O-D-S-Y-M-B-A. He's the one that has, I guess, created the beats that you have heard on the intro and outro of this podcast. And... Give the Regulators production crew a shout-out on Instagram. They're great people. Brendan loves this, doesn't he? Wait, so since I've left, you've gotten no, no, your this is own same people. theme music and, and sponsors? And sponsors, yes. And next, I am going to tell you quickly about Terrapin Care Station. Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the product that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com. All right, let's dive into this, shall we? Yeah, um, let's do it, man. You want to start? Sure, buddy. Go ahead. What, about, what, 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 what do you want to talk about? Uh, the first point here in my pick and pod, Nikola Jokic's defense. We talked before the game. I mean, I think every writer put this out there, but we also all talked together about, okay, the, the Grizzlies front court is a nightmare matchup for the Nuggets, uh, especially with their centerpiece defensively, Paul Millsap being out. Yes. Jokic has to guard Marcus Gasol. Um, Someone has to guard Jared Jackson Jr. <laughs> that's the right way to phrase that, too. And you just thought, okay, whether that's Trey or Mason, the Nuggets are going to need a really strong defensive effort from Jokic tonight to even stay competitive. I thought he was engaged. I thought he had great hands, a couple of nice steals and blocks. Uh, one block that should have counted that was called a foul. But I just liked the way he moved his feet, the way he bred the offense, Memphis's offense, and a couple of times where 
he had to contain Conley Jr., another guard, um, off of a switch. And I just thought he did a really good job of funneling them back into the help D. And just a great just a great defensive effort from a guy who has been much maligned on that end. And it's tough because Nikola Jokic is asked to do so much right now with so many injuries on this team. I mean, they're missing something like 50 points a game right now. Will Barton is a 17-point-per-game scorer. Gary Harris is a 16-point-per-game is scorer. Paul Millsap is a 16-point-per-game scorer. Isaiah Thomas can do quite a bit when he is healthy as well. So for them to be without that many players and ask Nikola Jokic to do so much on the offensive end and for him to give the effort that he gave defensively in addition to that was very notable for me as well and I'm sorry Marcus Gasol was only two of six from the field tonight he only shot two foul shots tonight you know what's funny I still thought Marcus Gasol was good he was and he had his six assists but the fact that he had six assists tells me that Nikola Jokic was active enough to be consistently pushing the ball out of Marcus Gasol's hand and that was so important because Marcus Gasol is what makes this Memphis Grizzlies team go and when you remove him from the equation and you force him to be nothing but necessarily anything but a facilitator that is a big win for the Nuggets in my opinion yeah if you hold him to seven points I mean who's getting the points it's got to be Mike Conley uh Conley again they held him under 20 points so it wasn't like a I mean Memphis definitely struggled offensively but you're right shutting down Marcus Gasol um, is just the key and I just thought they you know what even when it was clear he didn't have it as a score I thought they did a good job of of reading what he was trying to do uh, such a great passer maybe yeah. actually one of the I think real NBA fans obviously understand what Marcus all brings but I think if you asked an average NBA fan a casual fan they might not understand that Maybe not on Jokic level, but Gasol is an elite passer. From the well, it's unfair end. to compare anybody to Nikola Jokic, and you know this because Denver Stiff's in the midst of their Nikola Jokic week that they're currently doing right now, but Jokic is one of only two centers in NBA history to average at least nine assists per 100 possessions, ever, period, flat out, full stop. Yeah, no, obviously like, he is a the, transcendent passer. So to compare to compare anybody to him is unfair. I mean, look, he's probably the best passer of all time. My point being, I mean, from the from center, the center position. Thank you very yes, much. I got you. Thank got you, you for. <laughs> but my point being, just they did a good job of understanding what Marcus Gasol does, what he brings to that offense, and just sort of containing that. So let me ask you this. We're, what, 27 games through the season right now. Do you think this new and improved defensive effort from Nikola Jokic is here to stay, not just for the next 20 games or so, but for the rest of his career? Do you think he realizes the importance of defensive intensity like right now like he probably didn't understand the first few, few years yeah, of his career? I think there's no doubt about it. I think You think he's bought in entirely, though? Yes. You think that he is good to go for the next, what, seven, eight years? I mean, I, look, there's going to be lulls and lapses. Of course, or, I'm, not, I'm not asking about the lulls. No, I'm asking I, if you think consistently they'll be there. It's clearly gotten through to him that, look, so much of basketball for him is having fun. Off, and, and it should be pointed out that, to him, that means playing good basketball. So being fun is not necessarily separate from winning games, right? But it, it was almost always in reference to how the offense is doing. And I think he finally understands that his effort defensively, um, everyone's effort defensively, really, because that's what we've learned about this Nuggets turnaround on on that end. It's not about a personnel change. It's about everyone buying in and communicating. And like one weak link in that thing collapses, and Jokic seems to get that. And it's it's that he's determined to not be that weak link anymore. Yeah, and I, that's exactly how I see it too. And I think that the Nuggets have followed as their best player has gone. Now that he has bought in defensively, now the rest of the roster has bought in defensively. And I think it's so important to note that in the games that Paul Millsap has not been there and Gary Harris has not been there, it has not changed the amount of effort or the amount of intensity that Nikola Jokic played with on the defensive end of the floor. This is not 
not a scenario in which he is relying on other people to get him going defensively. He is taking the initiative, it seems like. Agreed. All right, it's my turn now, and I want to talk about something that I did not even warn you about before doing this podcast. I want to talk about Jamal Murray's play tonight. He was not a great scorer. He was a good scorer, not arguing that. He was very solid, but the way that he played tonight, considering all of the injuries that he was dealing with, it was absolutely sublime. Like I thought that Jamal Murray came in with a level of focus that he usually has, but it transpired in a different way that I did not expect. So, sure. 16 points and 6 of 10 shooting. That's a very good line. Nothing wrong with that. Um, five assists against just one turnover, four steals, and two blocks. This is a man who came out to warm up with a compression sleeve on both legs, an ankle brace on both ankles, who was just on the injury report for a forearm strain, and then a calf, um, not a forearm, um, I guess it was a forearm bruise, not a strain, my bad, but and then he had a shin bruise, and then he got basically annihilated in the chest tonight by a different Anderson, by Kyle Anderson this time. The man was as beat up as you can get and still be able to stand and play a basketball game, and he was poised, he was very controlled, he was making great decisions, he was hitting shots when he needed to, and he was creating plays for others when he needed to, and I thought he played very good defense tonight. Yeah, playing through some pain, which is nothing new for Jamal Murray, dude played the full season as rookie year with two sports hernias, which is almost not talked about enough. Like that's incredible. <laughs> that's incredible. Like, people, don't, people can't walk when they have sports hernias. First like that. of all, rookies aren't asked to play that much, no. let alone enduring that pain. Uh, but but yeah, I also think it's a good example of how assists don't always tell the full story of the job someone did as a playmaker or running the mm-hmm. offense. I thought this was one of Jamal Murray's stronger performances from the point guard position. I completely tonight. agree. He didn't care for that question <laughs> in the post game. We talk about this. I want, I want to talk about this. Scenario. Yeah, I asked Jamal if he also thought it was one of the stronger gains from the point guard position, and he kindly reminded me that he's played point guard his whole life and he has no idea what I'm talking about. But I, <laughs> I do know what I'm talking about, and I thought he did a good job of. Okay, not just assists, but lining up plays for other guys, setting things up, dictating as a point guard, forcing the defense to do what he wants to do. There was one play in the second half where he ran a pick and roll on the side with Mason, and he went baseline, and he took that first step, and he had, I believe it was Mike Conley, he had him beat, and I think... Maybe even just a month ago, Jamal just drives that to the rack. I think two weeks ago he does. I mean, that's a scenario where in that exact play, he'll put up a really tough floater over a really good defender instead of making the play he did. No doubt. But he took that step. He saw the Ed Conley beat, but he also saw the help cheat a little bit. And so he stopped, put it between his legs a couple times, bought some time, put them off balance, took another step. When both guys collapsed, snuck a little pocket bounce pass through to Mason. And it's just, that's not just taking advantage of what the defense gives you. He created that opportunity yes. for Mason. And that's just an, a very encouraging sign for a dude whose talent is undeniable. But maybe just in terms of hitting their ceiling right now, this season, um, and yes, he's only 21, they needed him to get a little better in those ways. And I thought he looked good tonight. Yeah, and for him to grow in these ways that we are talking about as a creator, as a playmaker, it's so direly important to this Nuggets team who does not have additional playmakers, ball handlers, and creators left because of the depletedness of their roster right now with all the injuries they're sustaining. So without Will Barton, without Gary Harris, without Isaiah Thomas, the Nuggets are desperate for people who can handle the ball on the perimeter. And even long-term, it's clearly it's clear that whether Jamal's a modern point guard, traditional point guard, whatever, he's their point guard. Yeah. He's going to be given those duties. And so you want to see that development, not just within this season in terms of hitting their ceiling, but also 
long term. Okay, what do we think of this trio, Harris, Murray, Jokic? A lot of that's going to have to do with his development on that end. And yeah, I also thought, yeah, good point. He played better defensively tonight as well. That's what I wanted to get into next as well, really quick before we move on, is that Jamal Murray not only had four steals, but also had two blocks in the night. And while Mike Connolly was the leading scorer for the Grizzlies tonight with 19 points, he was five of 14 from the field and two of eight from three. Like, I thought Jamal Murray did a phenomenal job top to bottom tonight as a defender, specifically full stop. He was great tonight. No doubt. Let's move on. Yeah. All right, your turn. What you got? I'm going to have to check our rundown. What here do it I is. Have? It's right here. Oh, executing down the stretch, <laughs> which has been a question mark for this Nuggets team, still is a question mark for this Nuggets team. This was a close game. This oh, was a yeah. close game in the final minutes, so a close game without their starters. This was a close game for 48 minutes. This but, was not a game where it ever got beyond like double digits, basically. And the two guys I really see as fail-safes for these teams in more than one way are Gary Harris, Paul Millsap. Will, a great point. Even Will Barton. None of them were there. And so... I thought they executed on both ends of the court. Yeah, and I mean, if you want to talk about more about the defense, the Grizzlies in the fourth quarter shot 26.3% from the field, 11.1% from three on one of nine shooting from three. Only had 12 rebounds, and then on top of that, they had four turnovers against three assists. That's incredible production defensively. The Nuggets didn't shoot great themselves, but their defense kept them in the game. And they had one less turnover, which I'm sorry, that's the difference. And they didn't... They didn't necessarily shoot well, but I thought in those final three minutes, like, okay, they need points in this possession. They got them. And so that's just been a... Like, even in the wins over Portland and Toronto, it still felt like, oh, man, we're hanging on for dear life. It's true, and it did, because that you weren't sure what was going to happen in that fourth quarter. But I think we're getting to the point now where, yes, the Nuggets have missed a couple of fourth quarter opportunities when they should have won games. But the majority of the time this season, this team has gutted out big wins late in games when the game was close more often than not. Don't you think? I agree. Hey, was that your first one, just out of curiosity? Yes, it was. Okay. I still have another one to go. Why? No, I'm just curious. <laughs> but I did think they were great closing this game out. Um, overall, I mean, that fourth quarter was dominant defensively, and the fact that the Nuggets can turn that on when they need to is a really important development for this team. And also, man, executing down the stretch of a close game against a good team after all those injuries, it's almost like maybe this team is well-coached. It's You know what? I, I wanted to make this point when it came to Nikola Jokic as well. This Nuggets team has taken on the identity of not a culture, but Michael Malone specifically. Nice. Agreed. And that's, by the way, it's worth pointing out, this is all easy to say when they're winning. And it's yeah. funny, like as we saw last year, when they're losing, it goes, okay, Malone isn't maximizing what this team could well, be I mean, offensively or whatever, whatever. But that's not the point. The point is that this this thing that he was that he was preaching, that he was pitching and selling, that we all saw as media and fans as an unattainable goal is now the identity of this basketball yes. team. I love when Michael Malone said he was like, I have pride. We have pride. And we were a bottom five defensive team. That bothers us. And they came out, and they got better because of it. No doubt. I'm with you. All right. Is it time to move on to the next one? I think we should go a little All quicker right. here. Trey Lyles, who did not start this game because Mason Plumley played, but he still played 22 minutes and was a pretty big, important factor with this team. With the Nuggets being hurt, he's going to be a very important part of this rotation. Unfortunately, he has been awful. Like, I don't think that there's any way to sugarcoat this. And has been. Shouldn't say is, but yeah. has been. And he's had moments where he's been able to find ways to mitigate his issues and his deficiencies, but recently he has not been able to do so. So, And, and you know what my thing with Trey, sorry, I'm sorry to no, cut no, you no, off. No, 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 no. It's ahead. just like he's such a streaky scorer, and unfortunately it doesn't seem like he's necessarily 
great at all the other important things. So if he's if he's not hitting those three point shots, you're not like, oh well, at least he contributed. And and and, and I'm not trying to say Trey can contribute. Trey has contributed. And last year in abs in, in Millsap's absence, he was the most important factor in that team staying above water. It just hasn't been the case this year. I completely agree. And I'm sorry when Joakim Noah, who hasn't played basketball in like 18 months, outplays you thoroughly when they were on the court. That's a bad thing. Like, what did you not watch the Chicago Bulls in 2011? <laughs> He's really good, TJ. dude. I wanted the Nuggets to trade for Joakim Noah so bad. For the, when he is was it, on those is Bulls it Joakim teams. or Joakim? Do we know it's that? It's Joakim. From no, what I that's fine. But still, Trey Lyles, four of twelve from the field. He went over five from three tonight. This is what's so perplexing to me. He's been terrible from three yeah, all and, year. And I and if you watch him warm up, and as I was we just going to make this point. Yep, and 100%. I keep cutting you off. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, it, he, yeah, he's not a bad three-point shooter. He's a very talented three-point yeah, shooter. Yeah, he's streaky, man. He That's is. the thing. Honestly, you know what I think it is? It's all mental with him. I think it's a confidence thing. Maybe. I think that he gets in his own head sometimes. But, you know, it's hard for us to say. But overall, yes, he was a plus eight. But it's because the bench unit was really good for a couple stretches. Overall, Trey Lyles got beat repeatedly. And, like, while Joe Keem Noah himself didn't score. Hit it was Trey Lyles' defensive lapses on Joakim Noah that led to so many points when he was playing alongside Nikola Jokic and other starting players. And it was very, very rough for the Nuggets when he was in there. Yeah, plus eight on the game, so it didn't kill him. But you're you're right that uh, maybe if this was a t you know maybe if they didn't get the same kind of game out of Monte, we're going where's Trey, and, and he wasn't there tonight. Yeah, and he really struggled. Um, I don't want to keep hammering Trey. What else you got next? <laughs> Uh, Jokic stepping up as a scorer in the absence of those, uh, uh, you know, the half the team. <laughs> yeah, we don't the need starters. to list six players anymore. Um, can you pull up the box score for me because I can't remember anything. Yeah, I'm pulling up the How box many points here. did Jokic finish with? 27 on 9 of 14. 14 being the most shot attempts by anyone on the team. 27 being, I believe, a game high. It was. And, and there were moments where things weren't clicking. Guys were missing shots. Jokic looked frustrated and he thought, you know what? Can I curse? Yes. Fuck it. Yeah. I'm getting a bucket. Yeah. Ooh, that rhymed. And so he would take, he would just, <laughs> Gasol, who's one of the better post defenders in this league, uh, sure, he's a little older, but still, like, in post, forget space. Like, yeah, that's just tough to score on. <laughs> it didn't look tough for Jokic. No, Nikola Jokic, he played angry tonight. Oh, yeah. In that's a good the way, way that I looked at it. In yes. a good way, yeah. And like, okay, so this is going to sound weird, and I want to get this all the way out before people start losing their minds when they're listening to it. Nikola Jokic was barking at his teammates tonight. When people were not in the right spots or not on the same page or not doing things correctly, Jokic was telling them which and is getting after them about it. Which is what people have wanted from Jokic. Yes. I th his coaches included. I think. I think the most important part of Nikola Jokic's game tonight was not the 27-12-6 he put up. It was the fact that he took control of this team as a leader and the team responded to it. Very, very brief tangent. There was one in which he was really more of just castrating someone than really helping. I thought I, I think it was Tory, yeah. It was Tory Craig after the defensive misassignment. And, 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 and Jokic wasn't just saying, here's what you do better. Jokic was ignoring defense to yell at Tory. And the first dude up on the bench, clapping, getting guys focused again, Monte Morris. Yep. Who's just, he's been articulate about this with the media. For so long, we were like, okay, this team needs to hold each other accountable. Well, then for a little bit, the question became, can they receive that feedback positively? Yes. And I think Monte's been an important force in that regard. I'm going to go even a step further. And I think Nikola Jokic, from what we are able to absorb from this game, we couldn't tell how the resolving factor came between Tori and Nikola on that exact play. But Nikola gets on Tori Craig about a possession on offense and a possession on defense goes by. The exact next offensive possession after that, Nikola Jokic hit Torrey Craig with a 
perfect pass wide open for three. He missed it, which is, you know, that is what it is. But Nikola Jokic, after being frustrated with Torrey Craig, gave him a wide open look at three. Yeah. That is Nikola going beyond just the petty frustration within him and still doing what the team needs best while also telling his guys what they need to do better, but he's also trusting in them. Yeah, for sure. And that's so important, I think. And I don't know him and shouldn't pretend to, but I don't think it's ever personal with Jokic to you. No, I don't, I don't I, think so. I it think is, he yeah. just, it's about the play, and, and, and I just think props to Monte for snapping him out of that. 100%. Uh, is it my turn now? think so all right let's talk about mason plumley's just ridiculous defense because he has been phenomenal all year yes he started tonight yes it's more in the limelight because paul Millsap is not available right now but mason plumley is sixth in overall defensive rating in the nba for players who have played at least 15 minutes a night and at least five games that's insane yeah and he's at what 17 minutes per game no he's playing 18.1 okay tonight. so not quite enough to really put him in the conversation for defensive player of the year or anything like that i don't think yet yes. but but you know our colleague matt moore kind of hinted at it tonight and it's not crazy it's not crazy i don't know if any center is defending at the level that Plumley is right now They're not. and you know what's funny man part of this is monte too but we were worried about this bench defensively mm-hmm. we were and I think justifiably so because Mason was hurt last year. We had no idea how good he could be defensively. Yeah, and we Trey thought Lyles it would be, is not a and we thought Barton would start, so we thought it would be Wancho, Trey Lyles. And, yeah, and frankly, people thought Monte was undersized to play defense in this league. I, I did myself too, myself yeah, included. I was there, no doubt. He's been very good, mm-hmm. but Mason's been stellar, not just with the bench, but also with the starters. But yeah, you could argue, given that he plays off the bench most of his minutes with the bench. He has been as good defensively as any big man in the league. Yeah, and I want to point this out. Yes, he's sixth overall in defensive rating. Seth Curry is number one, 100% a product of Portland's overall defense. Terry Rozier is number two, a product of Boston's defense. Dante DiVincenzo, who's been good this year, is a product of Milwaukee's defense. I heard he had some bad tweets. (laughs) Yes, he did. Uh, Corey Joseph of the Pacers, again, a product of the Pacers' defense. Alex Abrinas, same thing. OKC, a product of OKC's defense. Mason Plumlee is the first player on this list where you look at it and you're like, Catalyst. he is a reason Catalyst. the yep. Nuggets are good defensively. I agree. Look, the thing about defensive rating, man, that's a really noisy number. It is. It absolutely you, is. That has to be confirming what you're seeing eye test. But what we're seeing in the eye test is that Plumlee's stepping up on that end. Yes. And when you see that defensive rating for a guy who plays a lot of minutes with the bench on a team that was supposed to be horrific defensively. Yeah, who are now 18-9. and nine. Call myself out for a second. And I thought I was right at the time. And you know what? I was right at the time. <laughs> I wrote that this might be, given that Will Barton would start, the worst offensive team yet in the Michael Malone era. TJ. You were wrong. It is the best defensive team. <laughs> one of the best defensive teams in the league, and Mason Plumlee's been a big part of it. I completely agree. I, I can't say enough good things about Mason Plumlee. All right, I have, um, I have one more thing I wanted to talk about. I know that we skipped you because you only had three, and I picked a fourth one, but I don't care. It's your pod. Monte Morris's three-point shooting. All right. Monte Morris, as a player right now, is shooting over 40% from three on his own for a guy who was not expected to be a good three-point shooter in the NBA. He was okay in college, but he was not great um, from the three-point line because the way that he shot was inconsistent. And now, jump ahead of the NBA's part for the for Monte Morris, his first real season as an NBA player, he's shooting 43.8% from the three-point line on his own. That's insane. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, I, no, no, I, no. I'm going to keep gushing if you, if you no, stop. Draft profile, 
assist to turnover ratio, traditional skills of a point guard. He's got it down as well as maybe anyone in history, really. Yes, um, we're there already. And and but you go, okay, can he create for himself? Can he defend? The answer is yes. Yes, flat out. I mean, he was four or five from three tonight. He was the only Nuggets player to have multiple made three pointers. He had three more than any other player on the team tonight. Eight, eight of twelve as well from the field overall. Yeah, he just see. You know what he? He's really good at at understanding when. All right, I actually need to shoot right now. Yes, he knows how to flip the switch, and he talked yeah. about that tonight. He literally said he was like, "I have a score mode and I have a playmake mode, and I'm able to flip between when I need to." And I think what's so cool is that he actually. Monte Morris, as I said before, he struggled to shoot, not not struggled, but you could tell there was going to be issues with him shooting the three ball at the NBA level. The distance is longer, it's a harder game to play, it's just different. He just wasn't known for his shot. So Monte Morris, the way that he was able to fix his three-point shot this year is the issue was his guide hand, which is your offhand. So if you're right-handed, it would be your left hand that is the issue, is the guide hand. His left thumb kept getting on the ball when he was shooting. So what the Nuggets player development staff did is they forced him to hold a gum wrapper between his thumb and his pointer finger on his guide hand so that his thumb literally was not allowed to touch the basketball. And because of that, his three-point shooting has jumped up to 43.5%. That is second best on the Nuggets, barely behind Wancho. Yeah, no, he's, he's really good. I know you love that story. I love that story. I just think he's good at three-point shooting. He's just great. No, that's okay. I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> no, seriously. No. I, Monte I f- Morris. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. You finish your point, please. Monte Morris tied his career high with 20 points tonight, tied his career high with six rebounds tonight, and then had five assists and only one turnover. I didn't realize he had six rebounds. Yeah. That's pretty He nice. had 26 and five tonight. Yeah, Monte's awesome. Monte, <laughs> even the guy, even those of us who knew Monte would be an asset to this team one day did not know it would be to this extent and this early on. And yeah, I mean, look, every Nuggets media member has pointed it out on every medium, but you just can't say enough about the dude. I have a fourth one I'd like to add. Go, jump. Zero minutes for Thomas Welsh, but I think you could argue <laughs> that he was the MVP tonight. You know what's funny? Mason Plumley starting made me think that Thomas Welsh might get a little run. Made you think? I was sitting on the edge of my seat. You and your brand. It's strong, Brendan. The brand is strong. It's a bit, but I also think Welsh is awesome. He actually is, I think, going to be a serviceable NBA player in time. He might take a little while, but we'll see. Tyler Lydon was bad tonight, by the way. Is he ever going to get a minute for this Nuggets team again after, after tonight? I mean, they gave him two, and it was his first real run. He didn't do much with it, and that was enough. Well, but, this was his first meaningful minutes as an NBA player. It's tough because, too, if you're Malone, he's not going to factor in this season. And they didn't pick up the option. So there's not a lot of incentive to say, okay, let's develop this but kid. My thing is that play him, let him hit 35% from three, let him be 6'11", and have some trade value be there. My thing, though, is that this was like a two-point game with like 90 seconds left. Maybe no, not totally, that close, totally. but you just – I get it. Um, I, I'm i rooting for Tyler Lydon, and I just want to go on record and say this. The circumstances that brought him to Denver were heavily criticized. Yes. And he was probably drafted a little too high. Yes. Still think he's a player that should have been drafted. If you're that tall and you can shoot like he can, there's a place for you somewhere in the league. And listen, I've had executives tell me that he moves as well on the perimeter as any big that the Nuggets have on defense. And to endure all of that and then to go through an injury, look, this guy was not set up for success. No. And I think so many of the guys in this league are actually talented enough and that it actually comes down to how do those first few years go? Where's their confidence level at? Unfortunately, with Leiden, his confidence is kind of shot. Yeah, now um, a team that doesn't need him. I 
really, really hope that if he gets picked up by someone else, and I hope we see Tyler Lydon play well in the NBA one day. I think what will end up happening is he doesn't get signed by an NBA team because it's really hard for an NBA team to take a flyer on a first-round pick that did not get his option picked No doubt. Up. That's a really tough sell. So what will happen is we'll go to the G League, and he ate up in the G League last year. You know what year. he needs to do in the G League, in my opinion, and he should obviously not listen to me. He should do whatever Just he... shoot 20 times a game. Yeah, shoot. Just shoot Just the shoot fucking it. ball. And man. I think if you talk to some people around this team, they would say the same thing. Oh, they have. I've talked to executives who've been like, the most frustrating part of what Tyler Lydon does is that he does not shoot the ball and he's scared to do so in a lot of situations. I think I've been told this flat out. Because I think of this one play in summer league, there was like no time left on the shot clock, and dude was like thirty feet out, and he pulled up, and it was didn't even come close oh, to the rim. Yes, yeah, it was that. nothing but net. But then again, there was another play in summer league where the similar situation had, and he was wet from thirty feet. Well, no, no, that's what I'm saying. He hit that shot, and I'm saying, you go, dude. I don't. I feel like I know better than you do how good of a shooter you are. Yeah, it's a confidence thing. So I'm rooting for Tyler Lydon. Do you have anything else? Is that it? No, nah, man. This was plug fun, yourself. Bvote four two two on Twitter. Um, There's an at sign before that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's how Twitter works. Thank you, TJ. Uh, check out DenverStiffs.com where we are running Jokic Week this week. Matt Moore thinks it's a dumb idea. I think Matt Moore is a dumb idea. Matt, I, Matt Moore thought it was a good idea at a bad time. You know what? I can't control when Paul Millsap breaks his toe. <laughs> December 15, 2016, Jokic comes in as the starter. Ever since that moment, we know what this team is, what they can be. We're celebrating that at Denver Stiffs. Come celebrate with us. Uh, check out our YouTube channel, subscribe to that, and subscribe to our new podcast feed, part of the SB Nation Network. I'm literally going to save that for whenever you're on because you have so many things that you plug consistently, and I hope every week is Jokic week. So I'm okay with it always saying Jokic week, even though it's not, because every week should be Jokic week. I also have a podcast. It's called Four Cor- I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no, no. Do it. I've been on it. Plug it. Full Court Press. TJ was on it last week. Check it out. A little different. It's not really so much a Nuggets pod because there's like 45 of those. It is a pod about the Nuggets media. We're a little more interesting than you'd think at first. Believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. So I, I thought, TJ, you were awesome, man, and I would tell you otherwise. So check that out. Um, you just wouldn't tell me live on my own podcast. And I am I am going to get Katie Wingy next week. Nah, it's going to happen finally. Yeah. It's always good when a friend finally comes through. Until I Proud forget you, my Wingy. equipment again. <laughs> um, that is all from the Denver Nuggets LA podcast. Please check out the sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Go give Ro- Rod Simba a shout-out on Instagram and the Regulators production crew. Thank you so much for listening please go on itunes and subscribe rate the podcast leave a review bother me on in, on twitter or instagram because people love doing that i am always here to interact as much as i possibly can but for now that is all we got thank you very much and have a great rest of your night